Jimmy's Table. Hey everybody, you're listening to the Jimmy's Table podcast, jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey, where I like to have conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. So today I'm doing something that I don't normally do. Well, I am doing something I normally do. I'm talking to John Howie, also a.k.a. Bridge Love Watt. Say hi, John. Hi. Hey. Well, the, <laughs> you, you, John's a guest of the show, and you guys who have been longtime listeners at jimmystable.com, um, you, you've heard John speak before. We've talked on numerous topics. I encourage you to check out the show notes, jimmystable.com, uh, where you can find all sorts of links to prior podcasts we've done together. He comes on my podcast. I go on his. He's got one at uh, the Wax Museum and ADD Masterminds. Fun stuff. I occasionally pop over on those shows. We're kind of like podcasting pen pals. Um, <laughs> John and I have never met each other in real life. Um, but I'm having John today on the podcast, um, not to just talk about topics in general, but specifically kind of to promote in a very Jay Leno type fashion or whatever the kids are watching these days. Uh, kind of an interview associated with an uh, upcoming album that John has under uh, his uh, handle, uh, Bridge of Watt. Uh, it's called Uncaged. If you don't know John, though, John is a musician, songwriter, an influencer from Alberta, Canada. He's my brother from another mother. Like I said, he's my podcasting pen pal. And apart from Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank, he's my favorite Canadian of all time. John Howie is the chancellor of my heart, the czar of my mind, and something of a cult leader. Well, maybe not. Or maybe, I think. <laughs> John, I'll, I'll let the people decide that. Absolutely. I just want to know where I have to get my uniform and what flavor Kool-Aid you're serving. Because <laughs> what's the point of being in a cult if you don't have fancy clothes and something to drink? I- I don't answer that question until you give me money. So. <laughs> That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. But, you know, the, the one thing about John that I love and that why I keep having him on my podcast so much um, is, well, you know, I think he always brings an amazing perspective to life. Uh, he's one of those guys who just really make you think. And, you know, today we're going to talk about John alb- John's album um, that's getting ready to release on July 14th, I believe it is, John. Yes, July 14th. July 14th. So look for it soon. Uh, It'll be on Spotify um, and some other places. You can check out the show notes, um, jimmystable.com, where I'll link to uh, where you can download the album once it hits uh, the market on the 14th. Um, But, you know, Uncaged is kind of more than just a fun title to an album. It's really kind of become, the more I've got to know John over the past year, kind of his... uh, philosophy to life, his approach to his faith, his art, and even his work life. He talks about frequently about being uncaged. He thinks people need to be uncaged and they need to live an uncaged life. You know, John, maybe you can explain to the people what that means. Practically, what can we do in our lives to live an uncaged life? And should we even want to be uncaged? And what does that really look like? Um, being uncaged to me, which I guess is it's a term that I came up with, really. Right. Uh, 
I'm sure someone's used it before, but maybe not in this context. Make sure you um, trademark it. It means being constantly willing to challenge your preconceptions, um, living with genuine curiosity and not worrying about having all the answers. I like to ask dangerous questions and see where it takes me. Hmm. Do you find that we uh, often aren't willing to challenge our preconceptions? Like, and do you think people, I mean, I don't know. I think sometimes people are kind of curious, but do you think people, you know, kind of actually live in a very uncurious world where they just kind of accept life as it is and just, you know, go with the status quo and, you know, kind of have opinionated answers about things? <laughs> I think I think you challenge the preconceptions of people from the other tribe all the time. Um, but to challenge the preconceptions of your own tribe and challenge the perceptions of yourself hmm. um i think is next level um it's pretty easy for somebody who's you know a conservative to look at someone who is a liberal and say um you know you can ask them like where's all this tax money going <laughs> right like right. i i think that's is this tax money worth it or you know like cynic be cynical about a liberal point of view on something and challenge it. But to actually look in your own life and start asking critical questions about your own life and the way that you do things is next level. Hmm. Maybe we it's should really like the plank in the eye kind Ooh. of scenario, right? Like we were right. so ready to take that sliver out of other people's eyes, but to actually work on the plank in your own eye, hmm is next level. We all seem to have this kind of triggering sort of defect in us where we're always ready to give somebody a piece of our mind and tell it like it is. And I'm just speaking the truth, brother, sort of mentality. And you were always willing to be John the Baptist crying in the wilderness, telling men to repent. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I Sometimes I get the impression some of us don't. We're not on hard. We're not on our as hard on ourselves as we are others when you know when you kind of think about it from a perspective of like jesus it should be kind of the other way around we should be harder on ourselves than we are other people yeah well it seems like our only choices are to either um attack the other side or be complacent hmm. when in reality i think we can evolve as human beings and that's what uncaged is 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 being is evolving where do you think we need to evolve to as human beings I, I would say more so in the image of love. Hmm. You know, it's like it, God is love and he created us in his image. So how do we become formed more so into the image of love? And I think a lot of us have lost our way on that. Hmm. And we'd rather be formed into the image of capitalism <laughs> or woke Dementalism. <laughs> but it's like, what does it look like to actually be formed in the image of love? Like, that's a right. whole different thing. That's an ideal that is hard for our brains to um, comprehend. And I'm like, it's, it's, it's an infinite concept. And it's like, let's, let's pursue that. I don't know. That sounds pretty exciting to me. Hmm. You know, there's a, you did a podcast recently. I listened to it today, actually. Um, about empathy and uh you or your mm -hmm. guest talked about how empathy was a 
a muscle that we needed to learn to build and, and develop in our lives. And I was like, oh man, like that is so true because we develop so many other muscles and empathy is something that takes a lot of imagination and mental constraint to practice it involves an imagination and uh mm-hmm. you know i sat yeah there that thought, was all victor i i yeah, love that yeah about victor huckabee the guy is he's a creative genius right? right and so it was it was really cool to talk with him um i never really thought too much about the imagination aspect of empathy hmm. but it really is it's right. it's imagination i you know what's crazy is i i have a friend too who said that faith is imagination and I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like a lot of good things are imagination. Right. And uh, use your imagination definitely involves becoming uncaged and being willing to get outside the box. Um, but we like yeah. the cage. We like the box. Why do we like it so much? Yeah. Well, it's funny because I think we think it's a box. And so we're like, okay with that, but it's actually a cage. It's actually confining. Hmm. It's not, it's not a comfortable box. It's actually a cage that's confining us. And like kind of my beef with cages is that, you know, like when we talk about artistic people, um, there's so many artistic people that live outside the cage and they're unrecognized by caged people. They're like, oh, that guy's just weird. It's like, no, that dude is an artist (laughs) and you're missing everything beautiful that they're bringing because you want to sit in your cage and listen to <laughs> whatever garbage you listen to. <laughs> yeah. The Jonas brothers. And so I, I think the same thing happens theologically too. Like we All get right. so bound by whatever theological label we have. And therefore there's nothing good outside of this theological label. When right. in reality, Man, there's people of all theological stripes that can bring some truth to you that you need to hear right now. Right. I I have atheist friends that have spoken into my life in ways that no one else has. Mm. And so I'm willing to live uncaged on that too and just trust that, you know, like God can work through that too. All right. Oh yeah. yeah. So, sometimes it's the very unlikely sources. It's the uh proverbial ass that's gonna you know set you straight um and you just have to be willing to to listen to it uh when it talks um referring of course to balaam's ass uh if we can use the king james (laughs) uh you know um well you know i listened to your album and i will definitely say it is uncaged in its style and really in its message um you know it's definitely got a Mm. spiritual message and and i would say in, in in many ways it's kind of I guess you could say Christian without being like Kirk Cameron preachy or like mm. something you will necessarily uh, listen to on a Sunday morning in church. It's definitely mm-hmm. not your typical radio-friendly Lauren Daigle-type uh, album. Um, it's probably not something your local soccer mom is going to be jamming to as she drives down the road in her minivan contemplating whether or not she should leave her husband. Um so, <laughs> man, I missed that demographic. I know, right, right. Like it, it, it didn't strike me that that's who you're, you know, writing to in your music. And we'll listen to a, a brief clip in your music in a couple minutes here. But before we do, I kind of want to know who's your music for, and who, who do you hope that it reaches? Because, like I said, it doesn't sound like soccer mom type music or Sunday morning uh, hand clapping music. 
That's such a good question because I, I I'm like, who is my music for? Um, me? No. <laughs> <laughs> I no, knew you I, were gonna I, say I that. I, I just felt like I had a lot to say, and it was kind of cool to like sit down and take these tracks that my 16 year old son created and decide what the vocals should sound like, what the vocals should say in all these songs. So it's definitely got a youthful end to it, mm. but then it's got like hopefully some 41-year-old wisdom <laughs> in the lyrics. <laughs> um, so I, like for me, I, I, I think my music is for everyone who has an open enough mind to maybe give it a couple of listens yeah. because – I do think like some music, some some art needs to be looked at a couple times before you're like, oh. Mm. Um, I do think like some some of the tracks um, like "Hurt Me Right" and "Hey Too" have like a bit of a pop catchiness to them. Mm -hmm. So probably at first listen, you're like, okay, yeah, I can feel this. Um, but much of the album will take a couple of listens before you get that. I see what he's doing here. Um, I'm hoping to reach all kinds of people that are curious about what being uncaged is like, because I think this album speaks to that whole idea of being uncaged. Mm. And I hit it from multiple angles, um, artistically, spiritually. And I think I challenge people politically a little bit too. Yeah. You definitely, uh, said some words that, uh, somebody might be like, Hey, He's talking about my guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's it's curious to see, you know, you kind of straddle that uh, combination of, you know, you got some stuff that's, I guess you could say, general as far as spiritual stuff that, you know, could apply to anybody who, even if they don't consider them spiritual or particularly religious, you know, you're kind of building that bridge like you like to do. Um, but you definitely mm -hmm. got some Jesus-y stuff in there, you know. Um, and then you kind of got some stuff in there that's a little political and you got to, frankly, you touched on a lot of things that were deeply cultural in my opinion. Like you really, I think mm, that's the one thing I personally enjoyed about the music, uh, is the, the style is very different. It's kind of electronic funk, I guess you could say. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know, man. It's so funny. Cause like, uh, I did an interview where somebody said it's like underground rap. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> who, who are some of the influences you had that kind of inspire your style of music? I'd say like I say like for um, what Zandi contributed, which is most of the instrumentals, like <laughs> all of them but one track. Mm -hmm. um, he he would say he's influenced by Billie Eilish and Twenty One Pilots. Okay. Um, and then I guess for me, like I really love like Play-Doh and. I don't know if there's any Toby Mac in this, but I like Toby Mac's style too. Okay. Um, uh, there's a guy, Red Cloud. Um, when I do like uh, eccentric electric, where I'm like, I've been trying to make friends with my fears. And it's like kind of that kind of voice thing, I think was inspired by Red Cloud. I don't know. I just kind of combined a bunch of stuff <laughs> I've heard before, I guess. Probably unconsciously. Um, I love Kevin Max. So there's a little bit of tremolo in some of my music too. Like the way I sing, I just kind of overdid the tremolo, but I'm like, I kind of like how that sounds. So I was playing with that. So there's, and then lyrically, I'd say there's probably some inspiration from Kevin Max and um, the whistles and the bells, which is like this country crazy band. This guy writes just the weirdest stuff. And 
it just inspires me. So, so it's definitely <laughs> an uncaged style. I don't think you're going to find all those bands playing at the same club or the same church anytime soon, right? <laughs> no, no. And if you listen carefully when you hear the um, track Become, there's actually a couple lyrics I use to pay tribute to 21 Pilots and Nirvana. Oh, okay, great. Well, we're going to go ahead and play right now. Um, speaking of Become, we're going to play uh, about a minute and a half worth of your song just to give everybody kind of a taste. And I, I really want people to be able to actually hear what you have to say. And I think, you know, allowing it to play a good segment of your clip. Uh, so I'm assuming you're giving me copyright uh, abilities to do this, correct? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I told you. Go ahead. Yeah, go, fantastic. So I'm going to go ahead and play about 90 seconds of it and uh, hope you guys enjoy this, uh, this special song that John wrote uh, and, and performed. This is probably his favorite, I think it is. Um, and I thought it was really good, too. So the title of the song is Become. It's from his Uncaged album. It is track number seven, I believe, off his upcoming album. So let's listen to it. There's a question that I'm guessing is on everybody's mind. The same question I'm suggesting, is it just a waste of time? If I'm ceasing to believe it, am I slowly going blind? I'm believing that it's ceasing, am I finally alive? It seems safe for human nature to stay inside the cage. It is nature that's not safer, leaves us open to the rage. But explore, ignore the boundaries that were meant to keep the hate. And ignore, explore the sounds we see as so insane. cool track sound uh very different sort of beat uh like i said not your typical soccer mom but i think that's so cool and refreshing about it because it's so easy to get into just the the k-love friendly stuff and uh you know not everybody wants to listen to the k-love friendly stuff i don't think um so this song become what is this what is this meaning to you what is the question we're all asking um tell me more about this song john what is the question everyone's asking? I guess a good question that everyone's asking is like, is what is real? Um, and I mean, it kind of is a waste of time. We're not going to really know. 
<laughs> this just came to me now. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but so it's an open-ended yeah. question that the user gets or it the listener gets to find. Um, but uh, I I don't know. They, this song, it's like I think it is just the best thing lyrically I've written to date. I struggled a lot with um, writing lyrics for this, and initially I wrote. Trying to remember, I think it was, it may have been the bridge that says, Believe me, don't want to be messed and stressed like this. Receive me, I'll get better as I learn and burn to live. And um, I think, yeah, so it was kind of building later on in the song, I had written that, and then I'm like, Oh, this is garbage. And then, <laughs> then I started all over again and started writing that. And I was like, there's a question that I'm guessing is on everybody's mind, everybody's mind. That same question I'm suggesting, is it just a waste of time? If I'm ceasing to believe, am I slowly going blind? I'm believing that it's ceasing. Am I finally alive? And that's when I realized, oh, this is what I'm doing. I'm just going to flip words every second line. And that's basically how I wrote most of the rest of the song. And I guess, like... Really where I was at with this was um, I knew the title of this song was Become. And it it was intended to be really from a form of reconstruction. I think so many people talk about deconstruction. Mm. Um, but reconstruction is a real thing. Right. And I think it's like looking at your faith with a fresh mind. It's rebuilding your faith with a fresh mindset. Um I was rebuilding my art from a fresh mindset with this album, too. I mean, I, I've been around for a while, so... <laughs> <laughs> this is a different style for me, and it, it's fun. Um, so, basically, I had my 16-year-old son giving me instrumental tracks to write to, and I was finding a whole style for myself. It was something modern. This song is kind of an anthem for being uncaged. Mm. It seems safer, human nature, to stay inside the cage. It's nature that's not safer, leaves us open to the rage. But explore, ignore the boundaries that we're meant to keep the hate. And ignore, explore the sound that we see as so insane. And I think, you know, like when we're talking about the boundaries that are meant to keep the hate, I'm talking about really a lot of what religion is, a lot of what politics is, is like just keep us hating. And it motivates so much of the discourse online right now. Right. And it is brutal. I, I just I, I posted on Facebook, isn't Nancy Pelosi a fun word, you know, phrase to say? Isn't that a fun <laughs> name to say? <laughs> Nancy and Pelosi. And there was like so much vitriol spit about like, wow. yeah, I hate her or whatever. And I'm like, my gosh, like we can't even just talk about this person's name without you attacking her. Like, <laughs> but seriously, though, Nancy Pelosi. It's just fun to say. I, I like that idea there, the and, and and what you did with um that question about Nancy Pelosi and the, the lyric where you talk about you know and exploring and ignoring the boundaries that were meant to keep the hate and like you say like so many of the boundaries we you know set up in our lives are really just that it's to build walls and keep us isolated. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and give a make it easy to attack somebody like you like you mentioned Nancy Pelosi's name and people are ready to pull their eyes out. Um, and when like legitimately, it's fun to say, right? Like just forget what it name means <laughs> right. and just say it. 
Like her pa- tried, her parents you picked tried, a good Jimmy. name. I don't know what her I don't know if Pelosi's her maiden name or what, but you know it's a, it's a good name. It's you know it's fun, right? It, it's like your her name could have been Nancy Helsinger or, or something like like maybe that would have been fun <laughs> to say, but it wouldn't have been as aesthetically no. pleasing, and people wouldn't have voted for her as a result. Um, but yeah, I almost can't say that name without smiling. Like it's just fun. <laughs> Anyways, wow, that's but good. it's like and then. You know, the next line after that is like, ignore, explore the sound we see is so insane. So now I'm talking about artistically, right? you know, and it's like, we can do both. Like, I just, I don't know, man. I just think we all need to be more eclectic in everything because it's so much more interesting than doing the same thing every day. Right. That's, that's one thing I've always loved about your podcast um over mm. at the wax museum is that you you know quote unquote have conversations that need to be had and then you have conversations with people and then people write you letters and say don't you know that guy was a heretic that you're talking about <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know and it's kind of like well you know that may be true but we should possibly explore the sound at least um and maybe we won't come across as hateful um, as we do, as we kind of touch on those boundaries and, and see what the outer edge of our faith has for us. Because, you know, I, I've personally found over the years, the more I've explored along the edges, the more I've grown as a person. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not to say I've, you know, slipped over into things I would consider heresy. And, you know, many people would probably not consider me a heretic, I don't think. Um, but I, I think, you know, by asking those tough questions, being willing to have those difficult conversations with yourself, you know, that really opens up your world to realize, wow, maybe the thing I hate isn't so dangerous after all. Um, And, you know, maybe I'm even capable of loving Nancy Pelosi, maybe even the sound of her name, you know? (laughs) And it's so funny you would bring up Nancy Pelosi considering you're Canadian, you know? So, you know, listening to your album and what's coming up on the 14th, you seem to speak to the different ways that social media kind of impacts the way we communicate with one another. In one song, you talk about how we sort of act all like monkeys with a gun. Um, And in your song, Don't At Me, you kind of come out at at the incessant need to share our wide variety of outlandish (laughs) opinions um, like some people will have the outlandish opinion that they love Nickelback and hate the Beatles and they're not afraid to say it every day on Twitter, you know, um, and it seems like people are kind of motivated by those songs. It's like, if I can be more outlandish, um, and say the most over the talk, over the, over the, um, over the top thing, the thing that's going to go viral, uh, the thing that's going to drive stats and numbers (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. to whatever I just said. I'm going to go ahead and do that. And, you know, and that's kind of bothersome sometimes that we say the things that will get us the most traction and most attention. Um, Do you think because social media is is designed that way, um, is this like like clicking machine? Do you think it's kind of transforming our own opinions and how we communicate with one another or at one another in ways we didn't before? Yeah, I think so. I think so for sure. And like, I I think what's nuts is that it's allowed people to 
um, coalesce into echo chambers. They want to shout hateful things that gets them applause for their own side and dehumanize the other side because that's what winning is, right? Right. It's And that is so cliche and unoriginal. It's It's very caged. I feel like when Jesus said, love your enemies, um, it's, it's a statement that has m- multiple benefits we haven't thought of. And one of those benefits is that we actually become more evolved, more well-rounded, more interesting. Um, it's like great artists combine eclectic tastes to create an original work of art. We could do the same thing intellectually, and that is next level. I want to be next level. So I I really do social media different than a lot of people do. And a lot of it is just experimenting and see see what happens, you know, when I when I drop this whole like can we all just agree that Nancy Pelosi's name is fun to say? <laughs> you know it's funny. Oh, I, had a, I made a post on um, yellow highlighters, and I said yellow highlighters are like the only color you should be highlighting with. Oh man, no, and that's terrible. It broke down into people making fun of Black Lives Matter. I oh, was like, wow. what is wrong with you people? Like seriously, that derailed quickly, especially when the obvious answer is uh, green and orange are the best color because they last longer. Yellow just fades into the white. But why are we even reading books that need highlighters anyway when God gave us Kindle? <laughs> I, I yellow highlight and Kindle all the time. So. Oh, man. There you yeah. go. Yeah, I, I think see, it's interesting with social media, especially with like lit cl- the uh, light-clicking machine that it's become. And mm-hmm. the way it creates the echo chamber is Facebook's like, oh, so you like stuff by Rush Limbaugh. Oh, so you like stuff by Sean Hannity. Well, <laughs> I want you to be on this platform as much as you can, so uh-huh. I'm going to show you more things that you like so that you sit here and like it more. And you spend more time on here because I'm showing you exactly what you want. And so, you know, <laughs> it, I mean, well, that's that's literally what it does. Like, the, I'm like, good luck, Facebook algorithm trying to figure me out. Right. Like you're talking about <laughs> yellow highlighters and Nancy Pelosi and they're just kind of <laughs> scratching their head and they're like, he's from Canada, right? <laughs> 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 and, 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 and your music is so Nancy Pelosi and yellow highlighters. It's no, um, <laughs> It's it's it just it's it's very different, and I that's the that's what I do. Like I'm always amazed the questions you're asking on a daily basis. I'm always like, what kind of like I thought I was on an alternative wavelength at one point in my life, <laughs> and that I had tapped into this special stream of consciousness, and maybe I have. Um, but yours is like you know injected with all sorts of stuff, whatever consciousness you've tapped into, because the craziness of the the the, the way you wordsmith things. Um, you know, something I really enjoy because it makes me think. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it provokes a lot of good out of people, even though, you know, maybe some people it might make them feel kind of like, oh, I hate what he said today and who he talked to. <laughs> oh, I, I know there's lots of people that are like that, like that hate what I say. Or, right. I, but I don't know. I, I, you know, it's funny. I was, um, when I was making the Bridge of Watt website, I was like, I like the idea of being thought provoking and I I hear that quite a bit that I make people think, but I I decided I'm going to call label bridge live water thought provocateur. Right. (laughs) I just love that term. Mm. It's fun because it is, it's kind of edgy. Like sometimes it it will get some like backlash on it, 
like my yellow highlighter thing. So well, I mean, but, like you say on your so on Bridge Live What uh, I think it is on your Twitter account, you talk about being the czar of my mind, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Something I of love a... how my like my bio has accumulated over time. All right, because there's like the chancellor of your heart. Because I was just like, I love the term chancellor. And right, I'm like chancellor of your heart, and then I'm like, ooh, czar is really cool. Uh-huh. The czar of your mind, and then <laughs> and then uh oh, what's his name? Doug Burrish, who's one of my favorite followers on Twitter. Um, he said. You need to add to that. Definitely not a cult leader. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) It's it's a very collaborative title that you've uh, come up with. No, it's fun. So like, I don't know if I'll change that bio for a while. (laughs) So with that, with that said, with like you know our culture kind of being reduced to a cycle of endless Facebook like type statuses and getting Mm -hmm. the attention and how that kind of transforms our thoughts and the way we you know, opine things on a daily basis, you know, our cultures kind of become obsessed with formulas. And I don't know if it's necessarily a social media thing. I would actually personally, you know, take it back to the enlightenment in which we tried to make the world into this giant mathematical scientific formula that we can just use to explain and organize everything that is possible for us to explain and organize. And then once we have uh, conquered all that. We're still going to figure, try to figure out the things that we haven't figured out yet and repeat the process. Um, and, you know, I think we even see that in the church when it comes to the gospel and salvation. Um, you know, we, we present the gospel as if it's this kind of Roman roads of, okay, just confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and receive him into your heart and repent of your sins and then be baptized in this formula and, you know, get all these magic words right. Um, yeah. And we we take that enlightenment f- approach to life, that managerial approach to life, that social media approach to life, and we apply it to, you know, all aspects of our life, personal mm-hmm. life, relationships with one another. If we can just, you know, Cosmo's 10 hot sex tips to really blow his mind and... You know, and well, I mean, that escalated quickly, didn't it? Um, <laughs> I didn't know I was going to talk about Cosmo and sex tips. Um, but, you know, all, all these very formulaic sort of things in our lives. And we do that with our loved ones. We do that with God. Um, so in what way do you kind of see these magical words, these formulas as kind of distorting our lives and, and what we should ultimately become? Yeah, I think that was a really fun phrase that I put in Become, where I said, can we say the magic words to get God on our side? Yeah. Which, the more I think about it, the more I like it. It, it <laughs> so preaches. Like, that's kind of, that boils down so much of religion, like right, right there. Absolutely. And it's like, I, I think, um, you know, if we talk about getting away from formula and trying to make things happen all the time, I think what we need to learn more than anything else right now is learn how to be. Mm. Um, you know, don't worry about fitting labels. It's like, what is God doing in your life right now? What is God doing in other people's lives right now? Embrace that. Embrace that even if it doesn't fit your cage. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's like, it's kind of, that kind of feeds into a little bit of, uh, you know, things I've talked about previously on my podcast with Dare to Dream Small. Like, mm, we're always looking for the great grand mission in which we're going to take <clears throat> cities and nations for Jesus. And we're going to yes. go over to, 
you know, the South America and plant a church and, you know, feed the orphans and the widows there. And then we're going to oh, come. I was all over that. I, I was like, I'm going to do big things for the kingdom. Right. And mm-hmm. in the process. I was a big deal, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> in I, my mind. John, you are a big deal in my mind. No. Um, but, uh, you know, so we, we kind of have this approach that we need to always be going somewhere, doing something big, grand and glorious. And we, as a result, we kind of overlook the everyday things of life and the Mm. people actually in our life and the things they need. And instead of like saying, well, how can I help, uh, my neighbor? We're always asking about how can I help this imaginary person that I've never met across town? Mm. And I, I've always found that kind of problematic, even though, don't get me wrong, I think there's a place for that. Um, but how much of our life is robbed of the good things that God wants us to enjoy and, and the blessings he wants us to bring into others simply because we're so busy trying to get into that dream big cage uh, and the, the formulas and the, the fundraising and the organizational um, you know, stuff that we have to do to make that happen. Uh, you know, it would be crazy for me just to go across the street, ask my neighbor, how can I help you? <laughs> oh, it's like I'm too busy. I got big, big things to do for the kingdom. Right. And I, I think, you know, like it's almost like we have this like huge tri- trajectory we're trying to meet. And it's like I don't want anything to get in the way. Um, not my family, not my kids, right. not my not my friends. And it's like you get tunnel vision of this huge thing. And when that fails, it is crushing. Hmm. Like that almost killed my faith. Like I was like, I'm done with you, God, because I'm not able to fulfill this huge thing that I believe you gave me to do. Right. And so part of coming back to God was laying down that and just being like, all right, well, what what do I do then? (laughs) (laughs) You know, And, and realizing that it's like, no, like... Calling is not this grandiose thing that you just ignore everybody and follow. I, at least it wasn't for me. And what I realized is calling is lived out in the day-to-day. Mm. Calling is like, and so I know for me, it's like I'm called to be a bridge. And I've got, you know, doesn't like, well, maybe not in parlay. I don't really have a variety of people. <laughs> I don't think you're conservative enough to be on parlay. I'm not even sure what parlay is, but I, I've been blocked like five times on it, which is super weird because I never get blocked. I, I don't think you um, have an obsession for white people enough in order to be on parlay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, it's I, I just I, I have very eclectic tastes in the kinds of people that I connect with on social media. Eclectic tastes and the podcasts I listen to and I travel a lot for work. So I encounter all kinds of people too. And I'm able to kind of extract stuff from that to, to, you know, understand different points of views on things, which allows me to work at being a bridge between people Mm. and being able to, you know, have a conversation with someone and say, Oh, well, this is what the other person's thinking on the other side of this issue. And, and, um, you know, often it works well. And then there's times where people just like get angry because they think I'm from the other side. I'm like, OK, <laughs> you <don't, laughs> but you don't it's fit just in their kind tribe. of the nature of sorry. You don't fit in their tribe. 
yeah, I don't fit in their tribe. And I'm like, I'm okay with that. Like, and I mean, like, it's right down to, you know, it's funny because it's like, well, what genre is your music? I'm like, I don't know. Like, whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah. what do you say that it is? <laughs> I love pulling the Jesus on people, right. you know? It's like, Who do wh- you what say religion are you? <laughs> well, what do you say that I am? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's all the great makings of a cult leader right there. I mean, Jesus was the quintessential yeah. cult leader, right? And so, you know, <laughs> if, if, if you're, uh, you're going to, um, you know, follow in the steps of greatness and start to be a, a, definitely not a cult leader, uh, or wink, wink, uh, then, you know, Jesus's style is the way to go. So, um, you know, this is kind of a sidebar thing. I noticed, and I, and I had to like go actually read your lyrics over again. Cause I noticed a couple of references. I don't know how many times it popped up, but it popped up enough for me to notice. And your music, you mentioned Mary Poppins a couple of times. And I'm like, who the heck sings about Mary Poppins except Dick Van Dyke? Um, and you know, those little orphans that she looked over, um, you know, so what's the deal with Mary Poppins in your music? I, you know, I really think like at first it was more just like a sonic thing. I just love the sound Mary Poppins. It's kind of like Nancy Pelosi. It's just fun (laughs) to say, but, um, this idea of Mary Poppins crying, you know, Mary Poppins claims to be practically perfect in every way. And so it was quite a quite a juxtaposition to say Mary Poppins crying. Right. I'm like, I can't imagine Mary Poppins ever crying. Right. Like, that's just not in her character. And uh, I guess that's kind of a cage-breaking kind of right. scenario. And then, you know, later in the album, actually, the song, um, what's it called? <laughs> Wind. So Wind, um, when Zandi had, like, given me that song and we had titled it Wind, I w- he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take things from the album up to this point and just take some lyrics from different parts of the album and put them together in one song. So I was like, oh, okay, that sounds like fun. So it was kind of a fun lyrical challenge. And... Um, and so when I got to Mary Poppins, I'm like, Mary Poppins crying, I'm lying, and I don't know I'm her son. Which is like, okay, so if Mary Poppins is perfection, I guess that implies I'm a child of perfection, mm-hmm. and I don't know it. Which, I don't know, man. I'm going to have to think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> You just go where the music takes you. That you know, you don't have to I, answer know, all the riddles. And I think what I I really like actually about Wind when I listen to it is like there's moments where Wind is like quite deep. Like I'm like, oh, that's pretty profound what I said there. And then the next line will just be like plain stupid, and it's like what <laughs> what? And I'm thinking Wind is almost like a good illustration of my personality mm. because it's like at one moment I'll be able to deliver something that's thought provoking. And then the next moment I'll say something that it's like, I don't know what's wrong with this guy. And so, yeah, it was fun. Nice. So John, if people want to reach you, if they want to uh, listen to your music in full, uh, it's coming out July 14th. Where they can, where can they listen to your album uncaged? How can they get a hold of it? 
So it will be on Spotify. It will be on Apple Music. I'm unsure where else the distributor is um, sending it. I checked a bunch of boxes. I just know that um, Google Play is not a place that was an option. So okay. I'm kind of bummed about that. Okay. But Well, I'm sure everybody has Apple and Spotify if they don't, you know. Yeah, it's pretty easy to, and um, I'll I'll tweet out links if you follow me on Twitter, um, at Bridge Live What. So it's Bridge, and Live What is in Living Water. That's actually how I made the name. Nice. Um. Yeah. So L I V W A T, and then there's also a Bridge Live What um, Facebook page if you prefer Facebook. For all the old Oh, and people. I'm on Instagram, too. And what about Parlay? Are you on Parlay? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm on Parlay at Bridge Live Watt, too. Yeah. Watch uh, me get in trouble. It's fun. Uh, I find that hilarious that you're on Parlay. Like, I saw people trying to recruit on Parlay, then I looked it up, and I'm like, that's not going to last long. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I had so many Facebook friends that were, like, joining it, like, because they're like, I finally want to find a place with free speech, and I... I feel like I'm the only person in my friends group on Facebook who joined it ironically. <laughs> That's parlay is the place where people who are afraid of being canceled by cancel culture go. So, mm. yeah, exactly. All right, John. Well, it's been a blast. Thank you for coming on today's podcast. Today has been episode 68 of the Jimmy's Table podcast, A Life Uncaged with John Howie. We've talked about his uncaged approach to life. I highly recommend you check out his album. Thankfully, he has allowed me to listen to it in full before he appeared on the interview. Hope you've enjoyed listening to the little sample. Um, and I would encourage you, be a little uncaged. You know, This isn't your K-Love Lauren Dangle stuff, folks. Um, but I think that you will still really enjoy it as, as long as you... Uh, Come with an open heart, an open mind, and ask your questions like, what do I really like, and how do I know I like it? Because um, I think if you listen to this, uh, like, you know, this this isn't the kind of music I would normally listen to. I'm much more like, if I'm going to listen to music, it would be like 90s alternative style music with like Bush and Nirvana and Creed. Can I say Creed? Maybe even Nickelback? Uh, <laughs> um, you know, that, that, that would be my personal... Uh, uh, style of taste, but I'm definitely open to listening to anything cool and awesome. And I think John's album, uh, Uncaged, is definitely that. So check it out. Uh, there will be links to it in the show notes, jimmystable.com. This has been episode 68. If you have not subscribed to jimmystable.com yet, do so. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, all those places. Leave a review um especially if it's going to be a five-star review i highly encourage those if it's going to be a three-star review don't even bother um <laughs> uh, I, and yes i did steal that from ben shapiro by the way um but anyway so everybody take care god bless and look forward to next week uh whenever and i don't know what i'm going to talk about yet i've been talking to my wife about what i'm going to talk about yet um and uh i think it'll be good but uh we'll see what i get done uh, so take care, everybody. God bless, and have a good one. Do you see the light? What light? Have you seen the light? Yes! Yes! I have seen the light! Air smudge.